Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. And I'm glad you guys are here. I want to say a special welcome to all of you who are here with us for the very first time. We're honored to have you as our guest today. Pray that your experience will be one that is life-changing. That's why we come to church, to see our lives changed for the better, to experience the power of God and His love and grace in our lives. And uh, I'm grateful to God for this church. I just think you just happen to come to the best church in the entire area. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Uh, I want to uh, make a couple of uh, quick things before we get into the Word. You can go ahead and head over to Hebrews chapter 10, but uh, I want to call Storm up here. Where are you, Storm? There you are. And uh, she's got, uh, she was sharing something with me. What's that? It was Wednesday night, right? You were sharing, and I said, I'd like for you to share what's going on in your life with our family today. So let's all give her a big welcome today. Hi. Um, I've been coming to One Cause for about two years now. And when I first started coming here, I think it was maybe six months after I started coming here, I kind of felt like that I was doing all these things right, going to school, taking care of myself, going to church and working full time and, you know, just doing all that I could for myself, but that I didn't feel useful in Christ. I, I didn't feel like my life had any meaning, that I wasn't doing anything purposeful. So I went to my grandma and um, I was like, Grandma, you know, this is just how I'm feeling. I'm, I'm scared. I, I don't know who I am or where I'm going. And, you know, she's one of those people that she always thinks that just because you're young that you're going to figure it out, you know, the next day, that it's going to kind of clear up right then. And she says, um, you shouldn't stress about it because God is preparing you for something great. So I came to church and I talked to one of the pastors and it was just about a year ago and we prayed over how I would start to feel useful in God and that you know I would feel that I was doing something more with my life than just what I was doing. And um, you know, I kept waiting and waiting and I wasn't feeling anything and I was going through these struggles and I was you know, scared and alone and I didn't know where I was coming from or where, what I was gonna do next. And then about a week ago, I kind of realized that, you know, right after I said these prayers and had these thoughts that one after the other, God had called me forward without me even realizing it, saying, I need you to do this. I need you here. I need you to help this person. I need you to walk with this person. And sometimes it was just small things like, um, you know, my grandma, I would just show up to visit her and she, oh, I'm so glad you're here. I, I need you to do this. I need you to go to the store for me. Or, you know, um, somebody that I was barely even friends with came to me one day and said, I'm, you know, I, I'm heartbroken, I've, I've got so much going on, and you know, we, we kind of bonded in our mutual struggles, and to this day, she is still one of my very best friends. And um, in the last few months, I have been blessed with a very good friend who has faced one of the hardest struggles of his life, and just being able to be there and be surrounded by these people and, and walk with Christ and do what I can for Christ and help people around me has been absolutely amazing. But my testimony really is that two years ago when I walked into this church, I was angry and I was scared and I was lost and I was seeking something and I didn't know what it was. And today, as I stand before all of you with all the help from the amazing pastors, Jonna, Brian, Pastor Eric, Alex, everybody that has been there for me through the last two years, I can tell you now that I am full of faith and understanding and strength and that I came in here lost, and I'm not lost anymore. And I'm so thankful for all the people here because I don't think I would have found Christ without this church. 
I just don't think I would have. This church brought me to God, and God changed my life. Very cool. Oh, that's great. What a great, you know what I love about that? Is that she, she, she was overlooking the small things, looking for something spectacular when spectacular happens in the small things. The everyday things. It's glorious. Anyway, thank you for sharing that with us, Storm. Um, also, we have a new member of our church. He's not here today because he was just born a couple of days ago. Josiah David Voss was born on uh, Friday morning at 4.44 a.m. And Dad's here today representing the family. Congratulations to you, Jason. God bless you. We're excited. to Can't wait to meet him. Amen. Well, anybody watching the Open Championship golf tournament by chance? Well, I, I've been watching a little bit of it um, off and on, and I came across some of these uh, golf quotes by some famous people through the years, and uh, Lee Trevino, being a great golfer in his time, said this, you know, you can make a lot of money in this game. Just ask my ex-wives. Both of them are so rich that neither of their husbands work. One man said, God is, uh, golf is not a game, it's bondage. It was obviously devised by a man torn with guilt, eager to atone for his sins. <laughs> the great Hank Aaron said, it took me 17 years to get 3,000 hits in baseball. I did it in one afternoon on the golf course. <laughs> Lee Trevino also said, I'm not saying my golf game went bad, but if I grew tomatoes, they'd come up sliced. <laughs> Paul Harvey said, golf is a game <clears throat> in which you yell four, shoot six, and write down five. <laughs> Jack Lemon said, if you think it's hard to meet new people, try picking up the wrong golf ball. <clears throat> Gerald Ford said, I would like to deny all allegations by Bob Hope that during my last golf game, I hit an eagle, a birdie, an elk, and a moose. And Bob Hope said, if I'm on the course and lightning starts, I get inside fast. If God wants to play through, let him. All right. Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to start in verse 1. You are the finished, you know, you are the finished product, product, but you're not yet complete. You are the finished product, but you're not yet complete. And uh, we're going to look in Hebrews chapter, we're going to actually work our way to verse 14. That's going to be the key focus today uh, of this message, but I need to back up just a little bit from there because um, we need to understand that the writer of Hebrews, and if you want to know more about Hebrews, you can come on Wednesday nights. Uh, we're walking through that, that great book verse by verse and just finished chapter two on Wednesday. And uh, you can also download uh, and listen to our podcast. We put those up. You can go to onecausechurch.com and listen to any of those messages. They're free for you to enjoy and to learn and grow from. But um, <clears throat> In Hebrews chapter 10, it's, it's giving com lots of comparisons, and it's really the book of better. If you could sum up Hebrews in one word, it would be better. And it, it shows the Christ's superior, superiority over all things. Uh, he's the final word of God to us. And <clears throat> that the covenant that he cut in his own body was better than all other covenants before. It's a better covenant established upon better promise. Jesus Christ brought us better things. So... 
And because it's the, the audience, the main audience, are the Jews, and so this was written during a time where right after Christ had, had died and, and was buried and then rose again from the dead and then he, was ascended, he ascended into heaven and sat down next to the Father, um, that the Jews continued in their sacrificial system. And I don't have time to go into all that, but I, there was a, they, had, they sacrificed animals, bulls and goats, sheep, lambs, uh, for the, to atone for their sins. And, and it was a very bloody, bloody affair that began way back during the time of Moses. And because the, the scripture said, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And so they had to continually offer up these sacrifices because of the, the continual sin that took place. And it was just a, a bloody mess. And, 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 and the reason they did these things is so that God would simply not kill them. That's what it was about. That would just cover or atone their sins, but it could never take away. And let's look at Hebrews chapter 10, because he's going to draw this comparison with that sacrificial system compared to Christ's sacrifice. Look at verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, talking about the animals, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. All right, so all the law, with all those sacrifices, it could never cause those who were, who were offering up those sacrifices ever arrive at perfection. All right, so you see that this cycle is never going to end. All right, watch. Verse 2, for then will they not have ceased to be offered for the worshipers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sins. In other words, he's saying if they could make, if all the sacrifices could cause somebody to arrive at perfection, then they would no longer need to do those because there would be no more consciousness of sin. Therefore, they would live a perfect life. But look, verse 3, but then in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. So these were actually creating the opposite effect. They weren't pulling people toward perfection. They were only riddling their minds and their thoughts with their sin. And so they kept this sin consciousness because by the sacrifices they were reminded of their failures, their sins, their, their rebellion, their disobedience, all those things. And so there was no hope in progressing then. There, there was just no incentive to progress. Verse 4, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. It's not possible. Verse 5, therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Talking about Jesus. Now let's go down to verse 11, if we can. Stay with me here. I'm getting us there. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. All right? So he's saying what they're doing is useless. That's what he's saying. Can never take away sins. When it comes to sin, verse 12, but this man, thank God for this verse, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice, not many, one sacrifice for sins, for how long? Forever sat down at the right hand of God, verse 13, from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Now we're coming to the culmination verse here, verse 14, that says, For by one offering, everybody say one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. He has perfected those who are being sanctified. 
Now, how in the world does that work? He has perfected those who are being sanctified. He's perfected those who are in process. So you're the final product, but you're not complete yet. It is finished, but not yet. (laughs) For by one offering, there are three things here we see from this verse. He has perfected, say perfection, forever, say permanence. Those who are being sanctified, say process. Perfection, help me again, perfection, permanence, and process. You, you, because you can get really goofed up if you think that perfection comes at the end of process. The process isn't about perfection. You're not trying to attain perfection through some kind of process. Because all that is, if that's what you're thinking is, then that's just religion. That's pagan, ungodly, unholy religion, actually. Our process, my family, is born out of perfection. Oh, this is, this is what separates Christianity from all other religions of the world. We're already perfect. Already, and our process, our walk in life, is born out of that. I want you to turn to somebody and tell them, you are perfect. Come on, tell somebody else, you are I know husbands and wives, it's difficult to let that come out of your mouth if you're sitting next to your spouse. You are perfect. You are perfect. Yeah. All, listen, all other religions, you can line them all up, and basically they have different names, different processes, but basically the same machine, all right? And that is that men are trying to attain to perfection. They're trying to attain to God. They're trying to attain to heaven through some performance on their part. By abstaining from certain things or doing certain practices, they're trying to attain. But Christianity is completely different than that. And God knew that we would never be able to attain to him ever because we were broken in sin. So God chose to come to us. And with him, he brought heaven to us. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by his own mercy, he saved us. I'll take that over any other religion, any day, any time. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So what that means then is that our, our relationship with the, our Christian walk is not about us at all. It's about him. And if it's about Jesus, then it can never can never be about our performance. It can only be faith in Jesus. Period. Because the moment it becomes about your performance, then you've fallen from grace. That's what the scripture says. You who attempt to be justified by law or by efforts on your own, you have fallen from grace. Isn't that interesting? I find that interesting that that the Scripture doesn't talk about people sinning their way out of grace. It says those who are being religious are fallen from grace. (laughs) Trusting in themselves for their own righteousness. Trusting in themselves. That's why when Jesus said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this and didn't we do that? And and he's going to say, I never knew you. I never knew you because you're standing here telling me that Based on your merits, you should come to heaven. 
And that's not how it works. He has, by one offering, he has perfected forever. Perfected, perfection. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. Look at this. Having been born again, <clears throat> not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. So we've been born again of an incorruptible seed through the word of God which lives and abides forever. So what that teaches us is that that word that lives and abides forever lives and abides forever in us. Okay? It's in you already. Oh, that's, that's really good news. So perfection then is based upon who you've become. You were born this way. You were born perfect. When you heard the gospel and you believed it, that gospel that says Christ died for your sins, he was buried, he rose again the third day, whoever believes on him will receive everlasting life. When you heard that gospel and you believed it, the seed of that word was planted in you and a whole new creation was born. God sent an angel to, to Mary and the angel announced to her that in your, you will conceive in your womb and you will bring forth a son. And Mary said, first of all, she said, how are these things going to be? And the angel said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and the, the power of the highest is going to overshadow you. And then she ended up saying, let it be unto me according to your word. So the moment she accepted that word, the moment she received that word, then that word then conceived a body for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus Christ has always been. He has always been the Word. The Scripture says, John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So he's always been. Matter of fact, I was talking to, a, uh, on Wednesday night about this. In Isaiah, it, it gives some names of Jesus, and it calls him the, the wonder, wonderful, it calls him counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. It's interesting that it calls Jesus Everlasting Father when he's not the Father, he's the Son. But it doesn't mean that he's the Father God. Everlasting Father. And if you look that up in the Hebrew, it actually means the originator of eternity. He's the Father of eternity. Which means before eternity was, he was there. I can't even understand that. I can't even understand eternity. But the word that went into Mary created a fleshly body for Jesus. And when the word of God came into you, you received it by faith. That is, it created a whole new being. The scripture says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Yeah. All right? Don't buy into the religious lie that you're a sinner saved by grace. You aren't supposed to get quiet. You're supposed to shout amen right there. Don't buy into the religious lie that you're a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner, but being saved by grace is a whole other reality. Huh? It can't be. If you're just a sinner saved by grace, if all Jesus did was made the outside good, but still the essence of you, well, we're all just sinners, then he didn't really complete the work. Then there is no crea new creation. Then old things really didn't go away. But if you identify only with old things... You want, if you don't see yourself as already perfect, well, then you will live much less than perfect. All right, let's go to 1 John chapter 3 for just a moment, verse 9. 1 John chapter 3, <clears throat> whoever is born of God, okay, let me ask you a question. If you're here today and you're a Christian and you are born of God, same thing, I want you to just raise your hand. Raise your hand real high for me to see it. All right, wave at me. All of you that have been born of God. Okay, awesome. 
Is this a, so this is about you then, isn't it? All right. Whoever's been born of God does not sin. Keep your hand up. You still got your hand? Okay. Does not sin. Well, hang on. Keep your hand up. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's been born of God. Now, do you still claim that you've been born of God? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Have you sinned as somebody who's been born of God? So either you're not born of God, Oh, you are born of God. I'm just saying, I've been pastoring a number of years now, and I, I've never run across a Christian that cannot sin. Ever. I kind of wonder what, what this church looks like that John's talking to here. I go, well, I mean, I, I pastor a great church, but wow, to pastor a church where people don't sin, that must be marvelous. I guess I wouldn't have a job. Whatever is born of God, he says he cannot sin. When I, you know, I've read that scripture before and thought, Lord, yes, I can. <laughs> I don't know. You understand. I can. Have. Whatever has been born of God, his seed remains. We talked about that seed, right? Which is the word that abides, that remains. His seed remains in you. See, this, we're talking about perfection here. All right? Where is that perfection known? It's not in the mirror. It's in the spirit man. It's in the inner man. Because as you sit here, what we're looking at here in this body, this isn't born of God. Not yet. This is born of your mama. Only the spirit is born of God. Let me remind you today that you are a spirit. The essence of who you are is spirit. You have a soul. You possess a soul and you live in a body. All right? This body is going to wear out and lay down in a hole in the ground, all right? But that's not the essence of you. The essence of you is this perfected spirit. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Glory to God. His seed remains, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Therefore, your spirit then cannot sin. Isn't that glorious? That's why the Bible can so boldly say that you, he has perfected you, even though you are still in process today. Amen. And so that means that God gave you and I perfection as a gift. It's not something that we could ever earn. We were born that way. Born again that way. There was no other way for you and I to obtain it. Hey, let me remind you today, rotten apples have good seeds in them still. Matter of fact, if you plant those seeds, they're not going to produce rotten trees. They're going to produce good trees. His seed remains in you. You rotten apple. You're, you're, uh, it's what's on the inside. It's what's on the inside that matters. In 1912, on April the 15th, the Titanic sank in the North Atlantic Ocean in the wee hours of the morning. And there were telegraphs sent to London, both London and New York City. And it had two lists on those telegrams. The list did not consist of the rich or the poor, or the black, the white, the brown, and every other color in between. The list did not consist of the educated or the uneducated. The list did not consist of <clears throat> male or female. It was simply this. A list of those who were saved 
and a list of those who were lost. And that's all that matters in life, a family, and in all of eternity. How many are saved and how many are lost? Now, you can find out about someone in their relationship with God real fast and what they think when you ask this simple question, are you going to heaven? And much of the time you hear these words, I hope so. I hope so. All right, and that tells two things, one of two things about this person. Either they're not saved or they are saved, but they're bound in legalism. They've been handed a rule book after they got saved and said, you better keep all of these. You better do the do's and, and don't do the don'ts. Because heaven is depending on you. If heaven's depending on me, there ain't no heaven. If heaven hey, you too. Don't, it's not just me. You too. If, if heaven's depending on you, there is no heaven for you. He has either made us perfect I mean, God didn't just get close in this salvation for us. Close isn't good enough. Good enough isn't good enough. 99% will not do. You cannot be 99% saved and make it. All right? He has perfected. Amen. Thank God. Well, let me just give you a picture of what 99% looks like. All right? With 99%, you get no phone service for 15 minutes each day. With 99%, you get 1.7 million pieces of first-class mail lost every day. With 99%, you get 35,000 babies dropped by doctors each year. If only 99% of them are catching them. With 99%, you get unsafe drinking water three days a year. So God doesn't start with close. He doesn't start with good enough. He starts with perfection. A new creation. Old things are gone. New things have come. For by one offering, he has. Thank God you don't have to. He has. He has perfected you. Glory to God. Now, see, that helps us have a little bit better perspective and certainly keeps us hopeful in this walk. All right? How long did he perfect us? According to Hebrews 10, 14, he has perfected forever. Come on, shout forever. Now, this has to do with permanent. Perfection has to do with your past. As if your past never even existed. He calls you perfect now. And forever has everything to do with your future, as if it does exist, and it does. He did it forever, permanently. How long are you perfect? Forever. How long does this gift from God last? Forever. Matter of fact, Ecclesiastes says this, I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. I love that verse of Scripture. Thank God that His permanence This permanence doesn't depend on us. It doesn't depend on our our efforts, our performance, even our physical or mental health, or our our remembering that that we're saved. Thank God it doesn't, doesn't depend on any of that. I'm grateful to God because things happen to people. Good Christian people die. They get sick. They get sick and die. 
doesn't make them less of a Christian because we know sin, sin and death, they, these came, or death came with sin and all of death's ugly cousins came with it, right? Cancer, disease, all these kinds of things came with it. Sickness, they all came with it, all right? So this happens to people, and I'm not saying that they get sick and die because they're, they sin, not necessarily, that, that's not necessarily true. We just live in a body that is subject to death, Right? So this is why we have to be all the more vigilant to walk by faith. To walk by faith. We need faith in God. We've seen people get healed on a regular basis here. Miracles happen. Things that should have taken people out didn't. Why? Because they chose to believe God no matter what. They chose to hold on to his word, hold on to his promise, and to accept the fact that his body, Jesus' body, was broken so that our bodies could be made whole. There are a lot of Christians out there not, not receiving that for themselves. They're not accepting that truth, for, so they're suffering the consequences unnecessarily. It doesn't change heaven. It doesn't change that permanent position in heaven. Neither does losing their minds. Thank God. Alzheimer's doesn't disqualify you from going to heaven. When, when Charlie, Charlie was in, in uh, the hospital. Brother Charlie, amen, Charlie was in the hospital for 77 days. We thought, we, we weren't sure. We thought we might lose him at one point. We weren't sure because he had, he had lost his mind. He had some bleeding on the brain. And, and, and I mean, I have to say it was kind of special for me. And I know Roxanne, she was in turmoil over this uh, because I walked into the hospital to see him one day. And I know you don't remember this, Charlie. And he says, as he always does, there's my pastor. Roxanne throws her hands up in there. She goes, yeah, he remembers you, Pastor Eric, but he doesn't know who I am. I've been married to him for however many years. Has no clue who I am. I don't know what to say about that. But makes me feel good. But there are things he, he couldn't remember. I didn't question for one minute, though, if this guy was going to heaven. It's not about that. It's not about memory. You know, there, there's this two elderly couples that were playing cards one night, and uh, Old George is sitting there, and he starts scratching his head. He says, I can't remember. Are we playing gin rummy or canasta? And uh, Ralph looks over and says, George, man, you got to do something about that memory. We're playing canasta. He says, you know what you need to do, George? You need to, you need to uh, get some help. i got some help. I took this course on, on memory, and they use word association. Man, it has helped me tremendously. And George said, well, Ralph, don't keep it to yourself. What's the name of this course? And George said, uh, uh. Hang on, give me a second. What's that flower with the, the long stems? And uh, they sell them by the dozens. And Rob said, Rose? He said, yeah, Rose, what was the name of that course on memory I took? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, reason, the reason that you lose sight, the reason that you lose sight of this, of this permanent, your permanent position in Christ is because you can turn your walk of faith or walk in the Spirit on and off. You live in the Spirit. This has nothing to do with the life in the Spirit, but it has everything to do with your walk. You know what I'm talking about. Because the Scripture says that we walk by faith, and it's by faith that we have this continual revelation of our righteousness. And if you are doubting that, or you're questioning that, and you're wondering, oh God, am I even saved anymore? Then somewhere along the way, the walk got off. All right? Because if you are in faith, this will never be a question for you. Okay. Good, good preaching, Pastor Eric. Let's go to um, Galatians 5. Watch this. 
Paul the Apostle says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So we understand these are two different things. You live in the Spirit not because you earned it, but because Jesus gave it to you. Right? Let us walk in the Spirit. So the walk has everything to do with what you do. Not life in the Spirit. Jesus gave you life in the Spirit. Amen. So you have to continue to walk in the Spirit so that that permanent condition, hallelujah, that forever perfection will over time take its effect in your life. All right? Christianity is something that we try at. Right? Well, I've tried everything else. Might as well try Jesus. Oh, just live this thing. All right? And understand that, well, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, that we are in process. My great-grandfather built a barn out in southern Oklahoma years and years ago, and, 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 and at the very peak of this barn, was he, he had a light there. And my dad said that when he was a kid, he went over there one day because he, he noticed that light on, and he said, and I, I saw that that light was on 24 hours a day. So I went over there, and he said, I'm sitting there with my grandpa, and I said, um, Grandpa, what are you going to do when that light burns out? How are you going to change it? And he says, well, yeah, I don't know. He said, uh, I don't have the ladder anymore. He said, when I built that barn 20 years ago, um, I, didn't, I didn't wire a switch for the light. I just hardwired it and screwed in the light bulb, and it's been on ever since. And my dad said, that light's been on for 20 years? Lights don't burn for twenty last 20 years. He says, that one has. <laughs> he says, matter of fact, John, Burning a light is not what wears it out. Turning it off and on is what wears it out. I think you can obviously get the application here for this today. You walk out your permanent condition. Permanence is already in you. It's in your heart. It's in you to walk accordingly. Amen. The problem happens, though, when you get off your walk, when you begin to listen to the head more than you do the heart. Amen. Because there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is destruction. So that's why we need something more guiding us, the inner man, teaching us. Walk like you're heading straight to heaven because as a child of God, you are already there. Amen. Your perfection has been made permanent by his one offering. I'm grateful to God for that. All right. Last thought here, for by one offering, let's go back to 1014, for by one offering of Hebrews, he has perfected those who are being sanctified. Say process, all right? So this permanence deals with your future. The process, though, deals with where you live right now. Anybody take, hopefully, I mean, I mean, actually not hopefully, if you got out of it, that's good. How many of you took algebra in school? All right, let me ask you a question. Keep your hands up for just a moment. And if it doesn't apply to you, you can put them down. How many of you are still using algebra today? How many hands drop? A handful. There's always these in the room, right? That, yes, I still use algebra. <laughs> well, I was one of those that I never used algebra. I mean, I haven't since then. I'm grateful to God, except when I'm helping kids with homework. Actually, that's not true. I tell them to go see their mother. That mom help you. She can. But I can remember being in school and re- trying to reason with the teacher, right? I'd say things like this, and maybe you can relate. I'm never, ever going to use this in life. What is the point of me learning this? Because when I graduate high school, I promise you, I am going to never look back. I understand. And what was also frustrating about algebra was, and I hated algebra. I liked geometry, but I, algebra I couldn't stand. But I remember sitting at the table one day, 
with my teacher having to be tutored in front of the whole class. And she's teaching, you know, trying to get me, because one thing I could figure out was the answer to the problem. I said, well, this is the answer. She, is, she says, well, how did you get that answer? Well, does it matter if it's the right answer? Yeah, but I have to see the work. I have to see the process on uh, what, how you got there. Well, it doesn't matter if I got the right answer. Why does that matter? It matters. I'm not really concerned about the right answer. I'm concerned with how you got that answer. This is what algebra is about, the process. Well, some things demand that you go through process. Like I said, we walk by faith. Your life is made up of process. Because you're in these constraints of time. This, this per, your perfection is an eternal thing. Right? Your permanence is an eternal thing. But this process is bound to time. And time is always teaching us process. We learn about just through the process of time. It takes seconds to make up a minute. It takes minutes to make up the hour. It takes hours to make up the day and days to make up the week and weeks to make up the months and months to make up the years. It's all process. The substance, let me say this. Let's look at the moon. The moon is seen when light is on it. But the moon is still there whether the light's on it or not. But you can't, you don't know it's there until you see some kind of evidence by light shining on it. The light manifests the substance of the moon being there. Now the moon's there all along. Listen to me, your perfection is there all along. And they say this, God sees that. That's what he sees when he sees you. He sees the perfected you. But in order for you to see it, you're going to have to turn on the light. You're going to have to open up the scriptures. You're going to walk by the Spirit and let that light begin to illuminate out of, from here, out here. All right? And this is going to be seen in your thoughts and your words and your actions. The walk of life. Your thoughts, your words, and your actions. They will reflect that perfected nature that you have or not. And the scripture says that we let this light so shine before men that they may see. So this isn't all about us. This light needs to be shown so that others can see and glorify your Father in heaven. Let me remind you today, Christian, that those that are work with you and, and maybe you're in an environment where you're around a lot of unbelievers, they cannot, it's impossible, they never will see your perfection. They will only see process. Okay? So you're bound to make a mistake or two. You're bound to goof up. You're bound to say the wrong thing. But here's the thing. Process. Just don't lose hope. Keep moving forward. Attach a hope. Remember who you are. All right? Remember who you are. If you remember who you are, then this will empower you to do the right kind of thing, to live the right way, to say the, the right kinds of things. But if you don't identify with your perfected nature that you have through the Lord Jesus Christ, then you'll never live it. Proverbs 4.18 says, But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. Life with Jesus gets sweeter. Life with Jesus gets brighter as the day goes on, as your life is in process. Because let me say this, he who began the work will do what? Finish the work. The work he started in you, he will finish. He's the author and he is the 
finisher of your faith. My family, he's not just at the, end, at the beginning and at the end. He's in the process too. So you can know that, that your heavenly father is in the process with you. He has perfected you, and yet he's still working in you. A process. All right? So in one way, be patient. Be patient. But you got to look at yourself in the right way. you got to look at yourself in the right way. And the only way that you're going to see yourself in the right way is to look in the word to see who you really are. You look in that mirror and you see all kinds of things. In the natural mirror, you see that you're getting older. You're losing hair. Gaining hair. I don't know why. I started finding hairs right here. It's like when I hit 40, new hair started sprouting. And here. But the scripture says that the Bible, the Word of God, is a mirror. And when you look into the scripture, you see the essence of who you really are. That you are holy, you're blameless, you're righteous, you're above reproach. Oh my God. That's a tall order. Hey, Jesus fulfilled that tall order for you. You got to believe it's true. You can't ever attain to it. You got to believe it's true and walk the process out. Amen. Father, thank you for all of these that are here today. Thank you, Lord, for this great opportunity to, to preach your word, and Lord, to share these good truths, Lord. Thank you that by one offering, Jesus took care of everything for us by the offering of his own body, that his body was broken for us. That it pleased the Father to bruise him so that you could bring many sons to glory. Thank you, Lord, that you would not leave us in our sinful condition, lost and hopeless, but you came and dwelt among us. The Word became flesh. You took on flesh yourself and became a man. And now as you're seated next to the Father, the Scripture says there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man. Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that as long as that man, that man, our God, our Savior, and he is God and he is man, is seated next to the Father, all men have hope. We all have hope because he represents all of us. And your scripture teaches us that your blood speaks on our behalf. Father, thank you that you've already done all this work for us. You began it you complete it. And I pray, God, you would help us to keep the right perspective. And the only way we can do that is by believing your word, what your word says about us, despite whether we're seeing it in the natural or not. Help us, Lord, to grasp this fully by faith so that we can live out the experience of this perfection in, in our lives, Lord, in this process of walking in the Spirit of walking by faith. And I thank you that you are a very present help in time of need. Thank you for helping these here today. Some here need to make decisions, Lord. Some have been seeing themselves the wrong way, seeing themselves as simply a rotten apple and not realizing the good seed that's in them. And Father, I pray today for your help. Thank you, God that you love everybody here and that you have great grace and peace for all those under the sound of my voice. And I pray that it would be abundant to them now. Thank you for your message, that simple, beautiful good news that Christ came and he died for our sins. He died for my sins. 
He was buried and God raised him from the dead. And whoever, what a great invitation that is. The greatest. God's arms are open to all. Whoever believes on him will receive everlasting life. Telling us there is no sin that we could ever commit that would ever surpass your amazing grace. Where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. Not all of that gets swallowed up in your grace by those who will simply believe it. Today, if you're here and you're not saved, you're on that lost list. Let me just encourage you, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on Him. And you will be saved. It's that simple. God's not wanting you to live up to anything. He doesn't need you to live up to anything to be made right with Him. Jesus did that for you because you weren't able to. And your only hope is in Him. And in Him is all hope. Believe on Him. Receive Him as your Savior. Believe that He died for your sins. Because whatever sins you've committed, it ain't nothing that His blood couldn't wash away. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.